0: This is an exciting season in the life of our church. Over the past five years, Grace Life has grown by an average of 33% each year. We've had to rent multiple spaces in this warehouse park and now have expanded to three services on Sunday mornings. When you walk in here, there's just such a a genuine feeling. And there was no, okay, well, we don't have to go to church. We're like, okay, when is, you know, when's the next service and kept coming. The things that we leave with, we use it throughout the week and we come back with those aha moments like we got it grace life has a great legacy of seeing lives changed and if we want to continue having this impact i personally believe and the leaders of grace life believe god is calling us to take a crucial step and that is to build our first permanent home so together let's be involved let's pray let's give and we will reach our world Yeah, you can cheer for that one. If we're not excited about that, we're in a whole lot of trouble. So I'm glad that you guys always want to clap and cheer no matter how many weeks you've seen it. So, uh, well, hey, welcome to part three of a series we're doing called Reach Our World. Very, very simple focus. And that is to help you discover how your life can have the greatest impact possible in the lives of the people around you so that you can reach your world. And while we're talking about how we're going to do this as individuals, it also impacts how we're going to do this together as a church family. And and I believe God also wants our church to have the greatest impact in the world around it and, and help us to reach our world. So that's why we're talking about what God is calling us to do next. So over the last few weeks, if you've been here, You've heard us talking about how we've grown. I'm not going to repeat all of those statistics and numbers for you right now. The thing that's most important for us to understand is that this is not just about collecting people. It's not just about counting heads. But it's actual lives that have been changed, and we've got the stories. It's amazing to hear what God has done in so many people's lives. And, and uh, if you look around the room, you're the empty service. Yep, you're the service with a little bit of room left, the only one, by the way. But do you guys know your service is only four months old, and it's tripled in size in those four months? So when you give the fact that it's going to take about 18 months to get into this building, where are we going to put the people that God is bringing and so we know already we're behind. I know you look around and go, well, we've got a couple of chairs left. Yeah, but they don't build buildings overnight. And so we've got to be prepared for what God wants to do in us. And again, thank you for coming to this service and making room at others because the others are kind of crazy. So I want to, to walk you through again, especially if this is your first week here, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so what we're doing is building our first permanent home. And why we're doing it is so we can reach more people and have a greater impact in our city. It will help us reach the immediate northeast and set us up for doing other things throughout the city. When are we going to do it? Well, as soon as possible. I'd do it tomorrow if I could. If anybody in here is a millionaire, we'll just get this thing going. But what it really looks like we're going to be doing is somewhere late 2016, early 2017. How much is it going to take? It's going to take three and a half million. There you go. It's always a little quieter in the room when I say that. But you know what? God has $3.5 million just as much as he has $3.5. And so let's not look at it through our bank account terms. So how are we going to do this? We're going to do it all together as a family. God is going to use all of us. It's not something one of us can do or two of us can do. It's going to take all of us together. So if you were here at the beginning of the series We gave everybody a brochure to answer more questions, explain things about what we're doing in the vision. If you don't have one of those, please pick one up in the the lobby on your way out. Also, we have that website that you saw, gracelife.me forward slash reach our world. We've been updating it each week. And so last week, we put a lot of FAQs that are asked most by you guys about the project. And so if you would, if you haven't been there in the last week, go check it out, read those. And then the video about that, the one that you just saw was only 30 seconds or so of one that's about 10 minutes long. And go watch the rest of it, hear more about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And uh, so there, if we're excited about that, good, ready to move forward. So back to the series. The series is very intentional, and it began with us talking in part one about how God has a vision for your life. And this is important for you to understand because God didn't just create you and throw you down to earth and say, wonder what you'll do with it. And then also, contrary to popular opinion, God didn't just let us happen accidentally as biological beings and go, oh, look, I didn't expect that one. Wonder what he'll do with himself. No, it doesn't happen that way either. We're each uniquely created by God for a purpose, for a season, for a time on earth. God knows what he's doing. And so the question was, what is that vision that he's got for your life? Do you know what it is and are you living it? And then after we discovered that, we talked last week in part two about once you have that vision and once you have that understanding, are you surrendered to God? Because the only way you're going to see that vision become a reality in life is if you are fully surrendered to him. And so we uh, talked about how God tests us. And he doesn't test us because he doesn't know. He tests us for a very specific purpose. That is to reveal to us. It's like holding up a mirror. To reveal to us where we are or are not surrendered. And so he'll test us in our priorities. He'll test us in our devotion. He'll test us in our authority. And he'll test us in our giving. And so throughout the series, we've been looking at a guy named Abraham so far. And the reason is incredibly simple. Abraham went on the exact same journey that you and I are still on today. God gave him a vision, a vision that was too big for him to do. God showed up, did a miracle, the vision became reality, and then God said, okay, now let's see, are you going to make the vision more important than me? And so God tested Abraham. This week, I want us to continue talking about Abraham. If you know anything about Abraham and what scripture says about him, it says that he is credited as being a righteous man and having great faith. I'd like to have that myself. And we also see that some of the tests that Abraham went through, he went through them with flying colors. We get like A grades on all of those, right? And so how did he get so many good grades? How did he have such great faith? And the answer is incredibly simple. Hearing the voice of God. He heard God's voice. He did what God said. He heard his voice clearly. So if we're going to get a vision and if we're going to surrender that vision, the next thing that's most important for us is that we have got to be in a place where we can hear God's voice. I've told you before, I grew up going to church. Going to church and hearing about God is not a new concept. And believing that God was there was not a new thing for me. Even as a kid, I just always knew God was there. I knew I could talk to him. I, I, I really have to be honest, I don't know what it's like to feel like he's just not there. But even as good as that is, I didn't know he talked. I would have imaginary conversations with him. Because I would do my half, and then there was nothing. So I'd make up what he might say to me. And it wasn't until I got to college and and started getting a little older and uh, hanging out with men and men's groups and everything. People started saying things like, well, you know, I was praying the other day and God said to me. And I thought, "Huh. how'd you do that? What did it take to hear him? What does he sound like? I don't think God likes me as much as he does you. I know I'm not the only one that has these kind of thoughts because the most common question I get as a pastor is how do I hear God's voice? What, is it, what does it even sound like to hear God? How do you know if God is talking to you? What, what, what is God saying? Yeah, and I, honestly, I get this a lot from guys. And they, they come to me secretly in the lobby when their wife goes to get the kids. Hey, can you help me? My wife she's really spiritual. She's always talking about what God says to her. I never heard a word from God. I'm not kidding. And so I want you just to know we're all in this together. It's okay. So here's the question. Do you want to hear God speak to you? All right. Well, the three of you, welcome to stay. For everybody else, I believe Moses is currently serving lunch. Maybe you can hear him say, welcome to Moses," And you can go, oh, I heard the voice of God. I was was hungry anyway. This is going to be rough. Only three people. All right. So do you want to hear the voice of God? All right. That's much better. I want to help us learn to hear God's voice today. And As I uh, was putting this message together, there are four key ways that God speaks to us. But before I get into that, I, I thought about this. One of the biggest problems we have is not that we don't know the four key ways that God speaks to us. It's that we struggle more with barriers. There are things that even if we know those four, we still can't hear the voice of God because of some barriers that we have. So I want to take a little detour, although it's really not a detour at all. It's really very appropriate. It's for us to look at what are some of these barriers that we face. And so the first one is this. We overcomplicate things. We tend to think that God only speaks to certain people like pastors or people who have spent 40 days on a mountain with no food and water or something weird like that. Or he only speaks on certain days in certain ways, like the first and third Thursday of every month at 3.30 in the morning. For those who happen to wake up, the rest of us were just out of luck. And we think maybe that the only way you can hear God is if you just, like, you know, stand on one foot and hold a finger or something and, like, some weird. We just make it so incredibly hard. For the, how many of you in the room are old enough to remember when TV did not come through a satellite or a cable? And it came through a thing, there you go. It came through a thing called antennas. Young people, pay attention. We used to have these little metal sticks on top of our TV. And you, and you had to maneuver them around depending upon what the show was you were trying to watch. And it was always the job of the youngest person in the family. That was me too. And the reason it was the job of the youngest person in the family is because sometimes the only way to get reception clear is that the youngest person had to hold on to it the entire show. And if you're too young to know what I'm talking about, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's when you get your iPad or your phone and you're doing this. Like, I know there's Wi-Fi around here somewhere. Maybe it's up there. And we do the same thing. We believe that God, like, well, if I get over there, maybe over there. It's not that hard to hear God. Second reason, second barrier is that we don't believe he speaks. And for some of you, this is actually purely theological. Some of you would write down on a the theology desk, God no longer speaks to people. You would say something like, well, God started everything. He got the world going round. He sent Jesus down there. And then that's it. He's just up in heaven kind of doing this. At ah, some point, I'll get involved again. In the meantime, I'm a little busy with my nails here, you know, got things going on. There are people who theologically believe God is just far away. He doesn't care about your life individually as long as the world keeps going around and he'll come back someday. In the meantime, He doesn't, it doesn't matter. And those people are always grumpy and irritable and no fun to be around. And I would be too if I thought God didn't care and was that far away and I didn't know how to hear his voice. So, so let's not be there. And then some of us, it's not as much theological as it is just practical. We say, I just don't think it's ever happened to me. So I don't know if I believe he actually speaks. Maybe the third barrier is the most important. You should get a big star right beside it or something. And that is that the enemy lies. The enemy just lies. If he has his way, he wants you to think God does not speak to his people. But that does not agree with Scripture at all, as we're going to see in a minute. The Bible tells us God still talks today, but the, the enemy will tell you he does not. He'll say he's too big. He's too distant. He's too busy. And if he, even if he did talk to people, he wouldn't talk to you because you're too ugly. <clears throat> Y'all know the enemy actually says stuff like that. And if he doesn't say you're too ugly, he'll say things like, you messed up too much. You're not good enough to hear God's voice. And so those are the kinds of things that he will say to you. And, and it's a perfectly normal tactic if you think about it. Think about the military. If you've got an enemy, one of the first things that our military will do to try and stop an enemy will be to do what? Cut off communication. If you can remove communication from the leader and the army, all they're going to do is just wander around achieving absolutely nothing. They won't know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And they'll just say, What are we supposed to do? I don't know what we're supposed to do. And that's exactly what the enemy wants for your life. If you are going to go to heaven, he can't stop that. Jesus died for you. He's got that one all. But then he says, well, uh, at least I can make you useless until you get there. Just wander around on earth every day. Just wake up every day going, well, God doesn't speak to me. I guess I'll just go to work. Well, God doesn't speak to me. I'll just save money for vacation. Well, God doesn't speak to me. I'll do this every year over and over and over, and someday I'll die. Then I'll finally hear God. And that's what the enemy wants for you. Cut off communication. Four, barrier. Other voices are just too loud. Other voices are too loud. You've got to take time to just stop and listen. God is always speaking. Maybe you need to turn off the radio or turn off the television. Are you ever in the car? Do you ever just turn off the radio? And not because you're tired of hearing the same 10 songs over and over and over again, but actually because you say, I want to hear the voice of God. Let me just, let me just get silence. I'm one of those people where when I get keyed up too much, you know, when I like want to kill people and stuff them in a the closet or something like that, Thank you. Somebody does. I just got to get away and take a quiet walk. I love nature, so I get out by myself and I just take a prayer walk. You you give me an hour or two, and then I'm a a lot better case. I'm easy to be around, and I'm better to be around people, which is important because it's not good when your pastor goes to prison for killing people, especially if you're staff members. The fifth one, fifth barrier we run into is we're just afraid. We're afraid. If God speaks, we may not like what he says. We've got a pretty good idea. Come on, teenagers. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Let's go pick on teenagers for a minute. You already got an idea what the Bible says about what you're doing. You already know what your parents are saying about what you're doing. You already know how difficult life is with what you're doing. And you're waiting on God to give you permission. You're like, I'm not going to ask God. I'm pretty sure he might agree with my mama. I don't want to talk to you. And and you and I, we're, we're the same way. Look, let me go ahead and just give you a a kind of a a heads up on where we're going with this series. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to ask each one of us to ask God a question. And the question is, in order to build this building, in order to change our impact as a church family, God, how much do you want to give through me? And some of us are afraid to ask the question because we don't like what the answer might be. See, so when it started and we showed the cute little video, some of you went home, you took out a $10 bill and said, oh, look, here's $10 I, could, I can do, I'll lay this on the counter. I'll just keep it right here in the kitchen until whenever they do that offering thing. I'll, I'll take that $10 and I'm good to go. And you're afraid to ask the question, God, what do you want to do through me? Because he might add some zeros. And you're thinking, well, you can't do that because I've got some zeros, but they're saved up for a new recliner with cup holders. And a built-in remote. So you don't have to wonder where that remote is anymore. Come on, y'all are not laughing with me. <laughs> and I know some of, you, some of you right now are like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable with this. If there's any question in your life that you're afraid to ask God because you know you may not like the answer, your problem is not hearing the voice of God. Your problem is last week's message. You need to go back to part two and discover more about surrender. There's something that's more important to you than actually hearing God's voice, right? So... That alone might be a message. I mean, in honesty, all of us at some point are struggling with one of those five. Uh, it just depends on which day and how. And I would encourage you, actually go home and pray through these and maybe put them in order. What is the number one barrier that you struggle with the most all the way down to the one that you struggle with the least? And they may, they may move around, but, but work through those in your heart and see what God has for you. And so also what will help you. We have the devotionals we gave out last week. If you got one of those, You can use that because each day this week, it's going to talk to you about how to hear God's voice, okay? And then if you don't have one yet, they're in the lobby. Pick one of those up as well. And again, we're also doing Reach Our World Life groups where you can get together with people and talk about how to hear God's voice. So we're doing everything we can to help you. If you will take all of those opportunities, um, I think you'll learn how to hear God's voice better for your life. So with that being said, we're going to move on and and jump on right now with the rest of the message uh, and, and talking about how we can hear the voice of God. I want to begin with a principle from Scripture and a truth. Here's what the Bible says. My sheep hear my voice. This was Jesus' promise. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. It didn't say my sheep might hear my voice. My sheep will hear my voice on the first and third Thursdays. My sheep will hear my voice if they stand the correct way, if they do the right. No. Matter of fact, you would have never turned from some of the things you were doing to jesus if you didn't hear his voice so the idea that he won't speak to you because you're not good enough well that's just totally wrong because you weren't good enough when he spoke to you the first time you're sheep he's the shepherd now if jesus is going to use the analogy of shepherd and sheep i want us to understand a little bit better and there are some things you need to know about sheep first of all sheep actually expect to hear the voice of the shepherd you know why because sheep need to hear the voice of the shepherd. You know why that is? Because sheep will not do anything good or right for themselves. They do not know what is best for themselves. They're not like a lion and a tiger and a bear, oh my. They they just, they don't know what to do. They are going to literally stay in one spot and go, this is good green grass. I'm going to eat this green grass forever and ever and ever. They'll be thirsty, but they'll just keep eating the green grass. They'll eventually die of dehydration. They will not do what is best for them on their own. They don't know. They have to have a shepherd to lead the sheep, okay? And, and this is what Jesus has for us the same way. When, when I was in Romania, I, I moved there right after college. It's where I met my wife, married my translator. Yay, that's fun, right? And it was a crazy time. It's like time was, was just colliding on itself because what had happened is the country had had closed borders for nearly 50 years since the beginning of the Cold War. And, and suddenly the, the, the borders were open and, and new time, everything that was new was rushing in and everything that was old was still there. And it was, a, it was a crazy time to be there. For one thing, most of the people who were drivers, about 75% of the people in the country were suddenly driving for the first time ever. Do you know what it's like when about three out of every four people on the road are beginners? It's pretty scary, just so you know. But, but that wasn't the bad part. See, also because the borders are open, commerce is new. And so suddenly all of these 18-wheelers and things are coming in from all over Europe and bringing new stuff to the country, and they never had. And then at the same time, people who didn't have those resources in one of the largest gypsy populations in Europe, what was they still lived with horses and buggies to get places, And so on the same highways, you have these massive 18 wheelers, all of these crazy people that don't know how to drive and horses and buggies in the other lane. And I mean, I'm telling you, it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die all the time is what you're thinking. And if you weren't looking at the 18 wheeler that was about to run over you, you could look off into the fields. It's a good idea, by the way, you're going to die anyway. Look off into the fields. And you could see time go back 100 years because even though you and I have tractors here today, they didn't have all of that. What they had were were sickles. They would literally be out there just swiping and cutting, and they didn't have combines and tractors and everything. They were out there with a sickle. But also you could look up on the hills and you would see sheep, true shepherds. My brother-in-law was a shepherd, so I learned a couple of things about this that will help us. And so you could see three or four shepherds out there together and they would have all of their sheep together. They would just all be meshed into this one big crowd, all just all together. And think about it, because if you're a shepherd, who do you get to talk to all day? But a sheep, that gets old. So you'll take your flock and your uh, another flock and all these guys will get their flocks together. And then they'll be able to talk to each other for a little while. But then when it comes time to go. You see, when it's time for one of the the shepherds to go home or figures out it's time to go water his flock or whatever it is to do, he'll stand up. And most of the time, they would just make a certain clicking sound in their mouth. Sometimes they'd say a certain word or they would sing a little melody. They might whistle. They all had their own little thing. It was the coolest thing in the world to watch these hundreds of sheep. And when one shepherd would stand up and make a certain sound, all of a sudden, all of his sheep would just leave that mob and the others would stay there. And then if another shepherd did the same thing, those sheep would start peeling off and the rest of the mob would stay there. And you could watch it happen at the exact same time. The reason? The sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. And they didn't care about any other voice. And they didn't doubt any other voice. They, they, when they heard it, they said, that's my shepherd. I've got to go. I've got to do what he's got for me. And so here's the simple truth. If Jesus is your king, you can hear his voice. And I need you to hold on to that today. If you're not going to hold on to that, nothing else I say is going to matter. When you go home and you begin to put one of the four ways that God speaks into your life and try to hear him, if you keep saying, well, I don't think he speaks to me, if you keep listening to the enemy say, well, you're not good enough, he's not going to talk to you, then you're not going to hear him. You've got to grab this truth and tell the enemy to be quiet because I am a sheep of the shepherd and I can hear his voice. You've got to hold on to that. Is that good? You guys with me? I mean, if you're not going to hold on to that truth, nothing else matters. So I'm going to walk you through these four ways that that God speaks to us. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you don't like the first three. You don't want to hear the first three. You don't want to write them down. You need to do it anyway. And and so here we go. The first one, God speaks to us through the Bible. Y'all like that? God speaks to us through the Bible. You see, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow in discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You see, here's the way this works. You're reading through a passage in Scripture, and it says something about forgiving. You know, somebody asked Jesus one time how many times you should forgive somebody, and his answer was a very unique and challenging answer, and they didn't like it. Okay, but you're reading through Scripture, and, and you see that passage about Jesus and this person and talking about forgiveness, and immediately somebody comes to mind that hurt you a year ago. And you've only thought about them about four times a year when you get really angry at them. You just heard the voice of God. That was the voice of God. And you may say, well, how do you know that's the voice of God? Well, why didn't you think of any other person when reading that passage? Why didn't you think of any other person who's hurt you? I'm sure they're not the only one. Why didn't you think, huh, forgiveness? I would love donuts right now. Why did you think of a person that you need to forgive? It's the voice of God saying you need to forgive. And some people will go as far as to believe the Bible sort of speaks to them, but it's not really God, it's just sort of the Bible, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I'll give you credit, you're halfway there. I mean, it's better than saying the Bible doesn't speak to you at all. Here's what I mean it's Valentine's Day, right? Okay, so hopefully you wrote some cards to your significant other, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, whatever. The card you wished you'd have gotten or something like that, however that goes. And I want you to imagine you got a card from your your spouse that says, I love you, honey. And so you go running to your best friend, I got a card from my wife, I got a card from my wife, and the card said it loved me. And they're going to look at you like, boy, you are weird, we mean the card loved you. Are you that desperate you had to go to the Hallmark aisle and find the card you picked out on your own? You just read it. Look, the card loves me. Did you kiss it too? You know, no, 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 you would, even though it's written in the card, you would say, look, my wife said, my husband said, my boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever they said. And so when we read the Bible, we don't need to just say, well, the Bible said, cause I can kind of maybe believe it, maybe not believe it. When you say that, because some of you are like, well, it's a book. I don't know if I have to do what the book says. But when you actually call it what it is, which is the word of God, when you say, God said to me, I need to go forgive that person, now you actually have to do something with it, don't you? You can't just ignore it. Here's the truth. There is not a subject of life that the Bible will not speak to you about. I can promise you that. There is not a single subject of life that the Bible has not already told us what God is saying to us in that area. Here's the problem, though. You cannot learn everything about what God says to you overnight, nor can you learn everything about what God says to you once and for all. What that means is that you actually have to continue reading the Bible, even if you've read it through again and again and again. And every day you have to pick up the Bible, open it up, and trust that God is going to speak to you through it. Our struggle. Some of us don't like what the Bible says. We've already read parts of it. We've got the parts we skip. (laughs) Y'all have those pages kind of dog-eared a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to pretend that's not there. Y'all act like y'all don't do that. Some of us don't like the Bible because we can't argue back. It's like when a a parent goes to work in the morning and summer breaks so the kids are still home and you write them a note, the things they need to do in the day before you get back home, and the kids wake up and they read the list and go, no, and they're angry because they can't argue back. All they know is mama's going to be home and that list better be done. But they don't want to do what's on the list. And they get upset with it because they wish that they could argue back with it. So every day, open up the Bible. Trust that God is speaking to you. Trust that God is speaking to you. He will speak to you. The second way that God speaks to us is through people. That it's getting worse, isn't it? Because sometimes we don't like what people have to say. God speaks to us through people. In Exodus 18, it says, now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. And what this is, this is Moses' father-in-law. Yeah, that's who he is. His name was Jethro. How cool is that? Probably had a cousin named Bubba too or something. Who knows? And so Moses' father-in-law comes to him and says, what you're doing is foolish. This isn't going to work. You're going to drive yourself crazy. Let me say something to you that will actually be God's voice of wisdom. So I want you to listen to my voice and God be with you. We also see in Galatians 2, a similar example of where Peter had gotten off course from doing something he knew was the right thing to do. Paul comes to him and says something, and it's counted as being correction from God. You see, God speaks to us through people. What does God say through people? Well, He reminds us of His Word. He'll correct us, He'll uh, instruct us, He'll give us solutions, He'll give us counsel, He'll give us ideas. God speaks through people. I have God God speaks to me through people all the time, and he does you too. You just may not know it. You may not be willing to hear because sometimes we don't like what the people around us say. I I, I tell you a couple of really important examples in my life that still, I mean, even though God speaks everyday little stuff, there are some big ones that really even changed the course of my life. When I was first married, you know when you're first married, you're a little bit stupid. And when I was first married, I was, a, I was a youth pastor in a church and we were on a youth ski trip and some of the adults came along and we were out to dinner and the kids were at one table, youth, I'm sorry, youth were at one table and, and the, the adults were at another table and I was the same size and looked like the youth. I was at the wrong table probably, but I was over at the adult table and my wife said something kind of funny and I just thought it'd be fun to get a joke at her expense. And I, I said, see, look what I have to live with. Yeah, well, you know, that's another sermon. But here's what matters. It's one of the men at the table. Everybody just kind of let it go, whatever. I felt bad. My wife ignored me the rest of the trip. Not a good ski trip. Anyway, got back home. About a week later, this man that was at the table comes up to me in the church and just says, hey, Jimmy, can I talk to you? I thought, sure. He said, hey, you know, when we were on that trip and you said this about your wife, you know, before he even went any further, I already knew. I was already convicted. I already knew what the Bible said. I dishonored my wife. Course joking, Ephesians four twenty nine. I mean, I could have told you right then all the things that went wrong. But God was showing me something, and it was really important. It wasn't just, yes, I had dishonored my wife, but it was who was speaking and why. You see, this man, his wife had literally kind of gone off the rails at one point. And so for the last 10 or 15 years, anybody who knew him knew him basically as a single man. His wife never even left the home. She thought the world was out to get her. She she was not really very stable at that point. He had to remove all the guns from the house. She never spoke to an outsider again, to the best of my knowledge. And that that was the life that he lived. And so to hear me sitting at a table picking on my wife saying, look what I have to live with, when he's thinking, look what I have to live with. And he was an honorable man. He treated his wife with the utmost respect. You didn't hear any jokes about where she was and what she was going through or how she was. He spoke as if she was a perfectly normal, healthy person, honored her in every way. Boy, I felt about that big. And then I had another person who was trying to inspire me. God was trying to inspire me through this person, talking to me about how smart it would be and how wise it would be to be debt-free. I had multiple of these people in my life. I preach it now. It took me a while to catch on to it. But this one guy in particular was showing me how he had paid off his mortgage. He had paid off his cars. He was completely debt free. He only went to work to earn grocery money and fund money. Anytime he didn't want to work, he didn't have to work. He controlled his schedule and he he didn't need a whole lot of money. And he made a lot of money so he could take a lot of days off. He's like, Jimmy, you need to be wise. You need to get out of debt. But that would mean budget and sacrifice. And that would mean saying goodbye to my friend Visa. So although I knew he was sort of right, I didn't really want to listen to him so I was trying to figure out a way not to listen to him. And so he started recommending other good ideas for my life. Like, you should watch out what you eat. There's a lot of chemicals in them. Organic's a good idea. Matter of fact, and then he said this one. You should really even use organic toothpaste. Come on. Y'all would have been right there with me. Organic toothpaste, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't need to listen to anything you got to say, dude. You're weird. You are weird. Seriously? Like, toothpaste. Anyway, so... God was speaking and I wasn't listening. This is where I give you a shameless plug. This is why you need to be in a life group. You need to be with other people where you sit and you can talk about what God is doing and what God is saying so you can hear God's voice through people because he speaks through people. Number three, God speaks to us through circumstances. The Bible says the steps of a man are established by the Lord. The truth is sometimes, most of the time, our circumstances frustrate us. We hate what's going on. We hate the way it's happening. We hate where we are. We hate what we're doing. And we're saying, God, hello, can you change something down here? And we like to pray these prayers like the only way God can work is if he does this by this deadline. And just like this, I've got to have this. I've got to have it this way. Otherwise, life is going to fall apart. God's favorite words when messing with his kids are only, only way this will work. I was like, oh, really? That's the only way that will work? Let me show you another way. God loves to mess with our circumstances because he's speaking through our circumstances. We get into our heads. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it exactly like this. And then that doesn't work. And then guess what we do? We get all angry at the world. We get angry at God. We get all frustrated when we should just say, uh, maybe God didn't want me to do that. That's, that's all it takes. And we say, well, if this is my circumstances, here's what, I'm going to teach you the simplest question in the world. God, what are you doing? Instead of getting all angry about what you wish he was doing, the way you wish he was doing it, and the way you wish the world was going, and the way you wished everybody else would cooperate with your life, just look at your circumstances and say, okay, God, what are you up to? What do you want? Where where am I getting off track? What do you need me to change? What are you doing? Because he's doing something if you are there. Now, the truth at this point is all three of those are the ones, we don't like them as much because we don't always like our circumstances. We don't like half the people around us. And we don't like that we can't argue back with the Bible. But if you will begin to trust that God is speaking to you through those three, it'll really help you. However, even with that being said, those three don't always answer every single question the way you need it answered. God's word may tell you to do something, but it doesn't tell you if you should do it this week or next week or how you should go about a certain thing that is a wise thing to do. And then the Bible doesn't tell you, or you don't even know, which one of these people should you listen to and which one should you not listen to. You ever had two Christians give you completely different advice? Never? Are y'all listening or y'all just tuned out? Did I talk too long? You're already done? Are you already imagining, I'd like a burrito with cheese? Or maybe you don't know when a circumstance that's difficult is actually God saying stop, or it's the enemy saying, let me get in the way of what God wants for your life. And so the fourth one is the one you really wanted me to talk about in the first place because it's the one that helps us understand and discern between the other three. And it is that God speaks to us through his spirit. God speaks to us through his spirit. The Bible says this, your ears shall hear a word behind you and there will be nobody there. But your ears will hear a word behind you saying this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I could do an entire series on number four. Could definitely do an entire series on all of these put together. I do have one planned and I will be doing that in the future. But I needed to at least give you a summary of it today because it's a part of this series of understanding how to get a vision, how to surrender to God, how to hear his voice and how to get to the ultimate end of having the greatest impact. So I hope you'll allow me to just kind of give you the summary today. I know that this is important. But When we talk about God speaks to us through his spirit, what we're talking about is an internal voice. Something that is Not. A voice coming from the ceiling above, like a human. It's not a burning bush. It's not your circumstance. It is literally something in here. And it'll be like this. It'll be an impression. It'll be a thought. It'll be a dream. It'll be a vision. This is how God's internal voice speaks. And, and I know immediately all of the thoughts that just came to your head, because, I mean, I've been there, done that, and still do that. We, the first thing we go is, yes, but how do we know it's God? How do we know it's God and not just me? Cause you, you, it's easy. You you go to, on a prayer time, right? And you go out on a prayer walk. Hey God, good morning. Just kind of want to talk to you. So, uh, I had a question. Uh, you know, what do you want me to do with my life? Right. And so, no voice comes from heaven, but there's a thought inside your head. Depending on where you are, follow the analogy. It's like, should do well in school, so I can go to college. I think I'll study this. I'd like to become such and such. And your first thought the enemy wants you to have is, oh, that's not God, that's just me. No, listen, if it were you, you would have thought, what are you going to do with your life? Ah, oh, play video games all day long and eat donuts. <laughs> and we struggle with the belief that, that there is an internal voice, that there, the thoughts and the impressions we have can actually be the voice of God speaking to us. So uh, again, I, I need to talk for weeks on this, and I've only got a few minutes. But I want to help you with a little guideline I've discovered over the years to answer the question, is this God or is this just me? Anybody want to know what that is? Is this God or is this just me? I'm going to give you a couple of things. The first one I've discovered is you're not that good. My college pastor taught me this one. It was the first guideline when it was the only guideline I had. You're not that good when you're sitting around and you think I should call so-and-so and then you call so-and-so and they've been having a bad day. It doesn't even matter what you say to them. The fact that you said, hey, I was just sitting around. I felt like God told me to call you and they're going, thank you, God. You actually care. You just made their day. You just encourage them that God is listening to their prayer. You're not that good. Of all the people you could have thought of. Of all the friends you have, and I hope you have more than that one, of all the days you could have thought to do this, and you did it on that day that they needed you, you're not that good. Go home and write that on your fridge. It's very encouraging. Wake up every day and read, You're not that good. It'll really motivate you. The second guideline why did you have that thought? Why did you have that question? When you ask God sitting in a restaurant, man, God, do you see that person over there? They look down. What do you what do you want somebody to do? God says, I want you to go over there and pray for them. No, uh-uh, that can't be God. Which leads us to point number three of the guideline. The more you don't want to do it. I mean, because if you'd have had this thought, God, look at that person over there. They look down. What do you want to do with them? I want you to go get a refill on ice cream. Okay, good God, I'll do that. The more you don't want to do it, chances are the better you've actually heard from God. And the last one, I love this one. I had a a pastor was preaching a message one time and he was talking about how he knows he doesn't hear the voice of God perfectly. I mean, because we're human, we're all going to make mistakes, but whatever he thought God was telling him to do, he would always do. And I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. You know, you're going to be wrong. You're going to do it anyway. And you know what his phrase was? I've adopted this. Remember this. This is important. I'd rather be wrong than rebellious. Wow. See, here's what you have to realize. God's kind of big. He created the world. He got the world going around. He kept the world going around long before you ever came to be and took control of it. And and after you go to heaven and give up control of your world, he's going to keep the world going around. He's kind of got this thing figured out. I know we think it revolves around us, but it doesn't. And he knows what he's doing. And so, believe it or not, if you step out in good faith, God, I believe you're telling me to go over there and pray for that person that looks kind of down. Maybe you're wrong. But guess what? I bet God will clean it up. He's a big God. So here's a good idea. Trust him if you make a mistake and say, I'd rather be wrong than rebellious. You guys with me? The f- more the more of those four that you can get to confirm The more that that the godly people in your life are saying, this is what I think God wants for you. The more that your circumstances seem to be pointing in a direction. The more that God's word lines up with what you're thinking. And the more that what's happening in here, the impressions and the thoughts and the dreams that you have line up with those. The more that those agree, then the clearer it is that God is speaking. And that is what our goal is. But I want to make sure you know this. Nothing... Ever. No matter what a person says, no matter what your circumstances say, and no matter what you think and hear, nothing ever, ever contradicts what he's already said. When God is speaking to you, it will never contradict his written word. I can promise you that. So begin to listen. Begin to listen. You need to remove some noise. Any voice in your life that is currently louder and more prominent, you need to find a way to shut it off. And once you begin to listen, then expect to hear. Expect to hear him speak. At every moment, believe God is speaking to you through the people around you, through your circumstances, through his word, and through a voice internally. Expect him to speak to you. And then finally, follow his voice. Follow his voice. Here's a good question for you. Why would you expect to hear a voice you're going to ignore anyway? I mean, if you're not going to do it, why do you think he's going to talk to you? So start to follow his voice. The more that you follow his voice, the more that his voice is going to speak and be loud. Here's what I know. And here's what I believe for each of us. God wants to do greater things, far greater things than you and I can ever imagine through us as both individuals and as a church family you guys agree with that? I believe it. If we'll stop the noise and if we'll listen, then we'll hear his voice. And it'll tell us how to do that. And It'll tell us what that is. So, God has a vision for your life. If you surrender to him, he will speak to you. And your life will never be ordinary again. That's my promise. Amen. give you 20 later for that I want to close by speaking to one group of people that are hearing God's voice right now for the first time maybe during the worship maybe when Chris was talking over communion maybe as I've been preaching something's happening in here that's never happened before your heart's beating faster you're starting to feel like you can't wait to get out of here because the longer you stay the more you know you've got to do something with what you're hearing and you're just ready to bolt for the door You're hearing the voice of God saying, yeah, would you surrender? It's Jesus saying, I've died for you. When will you live for me? If you're in that place where maybe you've been to church a lot, maybe you've avoided this conversation with him a lot, maybe maybe you've tried to make sure you never came to this point, but unfortunately, or actually fortunately, you're here at this moment and that moment has come upon you. Can I encourage you to respond to what God is saying to you? It's really simple where you just look at him and say, you know what, you did die for me. And it's finally time that I say I will live for you. You don't have to do anything weird or stand up. I'm just going to help you begin a conversation with him right where you are. Would you all join me? And let's pray. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you have a life and a vision and a purpose for me. I thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness. In my simple prayer in this place today, that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Me and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.